0: Not just half. Uh, this morning we're going to continue in the book of Proverbs uh, as our second message uh, in this series, and recall that the focus of the first message was that the the fear of the Lord is 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 resting in the idea of the uh, of that the fear of the Lord is what is wisdom. It's the beginning of wisdom. And with that in thought, that's kind of the theme that we go with through this. Uh, We'll be picking up Proverbs, uh, talking about wisdom and folly. Um, And uh, I want to make sure that, you know, kind of understand Proverbs is is broken up in in, uh, a couple of different ways. The first nine chapters are almost like an introduction, if you will, to the next uh you know 10, chapter chapter 10 through chapter 30 and then 31 is a special picture of, of of a godly woman there and so it's it's kind of uh as we go through 9 and uh, chapters 1 through 9 we're not picking up the typical proverb typical typical proverb would be uh one that uh uh would say well uh, just look at uh, chapter 10 uh verse 1 uh again it's announcing it's just the proverbs of solomon so again we're we're starting almost like at a, a, a fresh spot here and it says a wise son makes a glad father but a foolish son is sorrow to his mother treasures gained by wickedness do not profit but the righteousness delivers from death so you got two different pictures there and and they're not tied together necessarily so verse 1 is is you know uh, uh, has a parallel with you know a wise son makes a glad father Parallel to that, or the opposite in this case, is a foolish son is sorrow. And and so you have a number of, of sayings that just uh, uh, are through the book of Proverbs, starting especially with chapter 10. And some people look at this as, uh, as you go through Proverbs, this book of wisdom, it's kind of like everything's going to be hunky-dory on the way to glory as we read through this, if we could just master these things. And the the reality is is that He's not talking about promises per se. He's talking about generalities in life. So, uh, raise up a child in the way he should go. Uh, some people, you know, I, I've seen committed their lives to uh, godly lives at home and, and, and uh, Christian training through education and all sorts of things and seeing a son go astray. Uh, and they're saying, hey, we did, what did we miss? Or we, I thought we were doing it all right. So I want you to make sure that we're not looking at the book of Proverbs as everything comes through as, as promises, but generalizations of the way life is. And I will point out to you, we are going to be held accountable as parents and, and as, as, as people for the way we looked at Proverbs and acted it out on our side. You know, so if, if, you know, I am responsible to provide a Christian home for my kids to be raised in. Now, if I haven't done that, God's going to hold me accountable to that, okay? But anyway, getting more into the focus of chapters one through nine, which is as kind of where I've been looking these uh, uh, last week, especially these last couple of weeks. Um, we're We're dealing with a, uh, a picture of, of, of not those parallel sayings, but longer pictures of of, of things that that talk about wisdom. And and talk about foolishness, and so we'll get into that. And I thought the easiest way to do this for me was to read something that uh, Tim Keller uh, wrote. Uh, it comes from a, an article he wrote, "Solving the Puzzles of Proverbs," the puzzle of Proverbs, and and uh, he titled this one little section, and, you know, Proverbs as a part of the whole Bible. While we call Proverbs a book, it really is one chapter in many in in a much larger book, the Bible which presents through all its various parts and narratives a single coherent story. The Bible does. The story is that the human race has marred God's good creation through sin and now needs salvation. And and that this salvation has been accomplished and can be found only in Jesus Christ. So whether you're going from Genesis to to Revelation, that is the theme of the Bible. Man has sinned. He's fallen short of the glory of God, and the only hope is through Jesus Christ. Therefore, like every other part of the Bible, Proverbs will give up its fullest and richest meaning only when it is read in the light of the person and work of Jesus. So in other words, understanding what Christ has done is going to give us insight and understanding in how to work through and, and apply the book of Proverbs. Jesus dazzled his listeners with wisdoms according to Luke chapter 2 and, and Mark chapter 6. He claimed to be the new Solomon with the ultimate wisdom in Luke chapter uh, 11. The personified wisdom that created the Word, we'll be looking at that today in Proverbs chapter 8, is finally revealed to be Jesus, the Word of God, with whom God created the world, going to John chapter 1, the first five verses. Um, Paul calls Jesus the wisdom of God in 1 Corinthians, and the one in whom all God's wisdom is hidden, In Colossians chapter 2. Remember too that the fear of the Lord, which is what we talked about last week, is the beginning of wisdom. A living, vital relationship with God is wisdom's absolute prerequisite. This fear, as we will see, is not cringing terror, but an attitude of awe and wonder before the faithful covenant love of God. The New Testament shows us that kind of relationship with the Lord the Proverbs calls uh, for can be fully realized only through faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And John chapter 14 verse 6, where Jesus says, "The only way to the Father is through me," is is a, a full statement to that. There's only one access to God, and it's through Jesus Christ. Um, so, in a sense, chapters one through nine again serve as an introduction to. This and then we pick up with uh, chapter ten and start those parallel uh, sayings that you know one and two verses each. Uh, but where I focus is is where we left off last week, which is also shows up in where I'm going to be looking uh, the, this morning in chapter seven, eight, and nine. I'm going to be drawing my information from uh, chapter nine, verse ten, says the same thing that chapter one, verse seven said, and that is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So again, we come to the Lord, we start there, our fear of the Lord. and again that fear is is not to be in fear and trembling, but it's to be in fear and awe of who God is. You think about him and should and, you know in various ways, but he is eternal. period. I think as a result, because we have a finite beginning, we will always be seeing something fresh in Him for eternity, because he has no beginning. Uh, Randy Alcorn has quite a, a, a lot to say about that in his book on heaven, and, and it's uh, uh, quite an interesting picture. It's not, you know, a lot of people think, oh, well, heaven's where we're going to be standing there and praising the Lord. And you've even heard people say, if that's all we're going to be doing, uh, that's not what the scripture says. When you put, tie Old Testament and New Testament together and the stuff that it talks about in and, and heaven and the new kingdom and the new city, it's going to be an amazing thing. And uh, I don't think there's ever going to be, well, I'm, I don't, I, I'm, I'm positive. Uh, there's never going to be a dull moment. There's not going to be a time where we don't look on the face of the Lord and see something fresh in the, in, in the sense of who He is and what He means to us. And so, we're in awe of who He is. And He's, he's giving all of this to us. As, as we come to Him and place our faith in Him, he, this is His gift to us. To share His inheritance forever with us. And so, th- this idea of being in awe of who God is, uh, is, 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 to have this idea of the fear of the Lord is, is to have that kind of understanding. And it is true that, in a sense, a fear of the Lord in knowing that He is holy and righteous and He hates sin. And so, even as a child who has sinned, and, and, and even though I'm, a, as a believer, coming before the Lord and asking His forgiveness, I don't come with fear and trembling, but I do come like most children do with that broken kind of feeling that, okay, God, forgive me. Dad, I'm, and I want to be careful that we don't get too casual, but Father, forgive me what I've done. I, I, I've offended you. And it, and it is a, a, a difficult thing sometimes to come before the Lord and confess your sins. And so that is that recognition of, of who He is. He is the, the judge of sin. And the neat thing is is that as we confess our sins, He's what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and restore us to all righteousness. In fact, he stands, according to to, to 1 John, he stands as as a mediator before the throne of God on our behalf constantly. He is our advocate, is another word that's used to describe him there. Advocate. He's our lawyer. Okay, we can't lose. Okay, and so it's an awesome thing to know that we rest in Christ. So as we approach this we, we, and as we're going to look at the ideas of wisdom and folly, we're going to approach it with the admonition from chapter 1 verse 7 that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding or the beginning of wisdom. Um, also, from the scriptures that we read this morning, uh, that, that BJ read, the opening uh, scriptures from Matthew chapter 7, uh, notice uh, that you know, and familiar verses to us all. But the, the focus is just the last couple of verses that I wanted to look at, verses 13 and 14, where that idea of, of of the narrow gate and the wide gate. Okay, there's a wide gate that that most people find themselves on, and then there's the narrow gate that leads to life. The wide gate leads to what? Destruction, and that's another term for death. Separation from God is literally what is being talked about. The idea that one brings us into the presence of God, the other leads us away from God. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the, the, the book Pilgrim's Progress, but it's a, it's a book devoted to that and understanding it and uh, being on the path that leads to God. And it is a hard path at times. Uh, but, and, and the way to, on the, on, on, to the, the path to destruction... Is an easier way to go, meaning it doesn't require anything of you. Somebody says, well, it must require something. No, it just requires that you walk away from God. That's the only requirement to get onto that path. By the way, we need to understand that. There's only two paths. There's only two there's one that leads to God, and there's one that leads away. Now, the one that leads away may have all sorts of side roads and shortcuts to, 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 to well, I was going to say to hell, but I want to be careful how I, I talk. Uh, but you know, the idea is that it, it, you're either going to destruction or you're going to eternal life. It's one or the other. And there's, and so all of the ideas that there's different paths to here and to there and to whatever. Uh, and and purgatory and a lot of other things that are not out of scripture have no application they're you're either on a path to heaven or you're a path to hell one or the other and that's what the the idea of this narrow gate Jesus says you know one or the other in in your this and this is where we're going to see that again today uh we're told to seek a path uh and the, the scripture is, is clear that, that, that we, it's, we are to make the choice. We are to choose which path we're going to be from. This is where we will be held accountable uh, in, on Judgment Day. Which path did you pursue? And that's the only thing that's going to have any value as to which way you go, if you want to look at it from, from just that kind of that picture of, of judgment and heaven and hell. The only thing that determines the, the path that you're on is your your and your your eternal situation is whether you chose Jesus Christ or whether you ignored Jesus Christ period and Jesus makes it again clear perfectly clear 14:6 of John there is I am period I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father but through me So as we go through this this morning, uh, we're we're told to seek a path that comes through Jesus Christ. And and so that's why Tim Keller was saying we have to look at the Scriptures of Proverbs through that window uh, as we look at it. So keep that in mind as we're going along here this morning. Like I said, our focus is going to be in chapters 7 through 9 this morning. And so I'm just going to ask you to turn to chapter 7 of Proverbs, if you would please. And... uh, a lot of your Bibles have uh, headings at different sections in, in, of the Bible. Mine has a heading here that says at the beginning of chapter 7, warning against the adulteress. And I want you to understand that the format of using the, the, the picture of an adulteress and adultery has to do with how Scripture, if you go to Old Testament and you talk, with, it, it talks of several of the prophets, talk about it. For a Jewish person to... Turn away from God to a pagan religion was committing adultery against God, meaning they were choosing something other than God. We were to be choosing God, and to do the other, anything other than that is a form of adultery. And that's the the, the parallel that, that God uses in His Word frequently, over and over and over again. So understand that as we're looking at this. This is a picture of a metaphor. And and it's and wisdom is even and and folly are both personified. They're both called women. Somebody says, "Why are they called women?" Because they're personified. <laughs> uh, if we called them men, somebody would say, "Well, why do we call them men?" Uh, this happens to be a father talking to his son. As we go through this, you'll see that uh, over ten times it's mentioned a father speaking to his son. Uh, and so he's he's it's a metaphor. It's a picture. Okay. So, he says, My son, keep my words and treasure up my commands with you, uh, commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. So again, this idea of following after God, following after His commandments, the fear of the Lord is the road to what? Life. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to, to wisdom, you are my sister. In other words, uh, you're a part of my family, a part of who we are. Uh, it, it's, it's an intimate context of relationship. We are family. Um, call insight your intimate friend. Uh, insight is the idea of, of understanding and, and, and looking at something and being able to, to, to understand how to apply it. It would be, again, a, a sense of wisdom. How to use knowledge. To keep you from the, uh, uh, and use it here to keep you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress, with her soothing words. So basically, what is being st- said here is a stage of saying, within the framework of the world, there is the worldly wisdom, which is the adulteress. And her desire is to draw everyone in the body of, of God's kingdom. Her desire is to draw us away from God. To draw anybody, but to draw us away from God. That's what her her whole purpose is, is to do this. Uh, and it's as we look at this, we, we see very clearly, he says, I'm putting these things before you, I'm sharing the commandments with you to keep you from the adulteress, so that you will be able to see what the world's wisdom is, and recognize it for what it is and not get trapped by it. The only way to do that, again, is to start with a personal relationship with God that recognizes who He is. That is the idea of to fear the Lord. So, as we go through this, you'll find that uh, chapter 7, uh, talks about the way of folly. Uh, chapter 8 talks about the way of wisdom. And then chapter 9 actually pits the two to, against each other in a more conflictive sort of way. The first uh, 12 verses is the way of wisdom and the next verses, uh, 13 through 18, are the way of folly. So as we look at that, let's look at the way of folly first. And the reason to do that for me is is because chapter 7 uh, Proverbs is, is where that begins. And again, he's, this is what the, the father is speaking to the son. He says, There is a window of my house. Verse 6 of chapter 7. I have looked out through my, my lattice. In other words, through the, the, the screening of my window. And I have seen among the simple, I have perceived among the youth, a young man lacking sense, passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house. Okay, so here's a young person. He lacks sense. What, that's the opposite of wisdom. What's missing? I'm asking you not a rhetorical question. What's missing? The fear of the Lord. He doesn't have it. He lacks sense. He's lacking the fear of the Lord. And, and, and he's approaching the, you know, uh, a place where the worldly wisdom prevails and in the twilight of the evening at the time of the night and darkness and so the author here uh, uh Solomon will get very uh somewhat i will say sensual in the language that he uses here because what he wants us to understand is that that's uh, adultery comes on to a, uh, it comes on that way and, and, and so does worldly wisdom it comes with the intent of seducing you whose who's, whose intent is being uh, magnified in worldly wisdom. Satan's. He wants to seduce us away from God. He wants to get us to say, look, you, I'll, I'll give you all the joy and, the, and, the, and, the, and, and things of this world right here, right now. You can enjoy your life. Have, have a great time. And, and if you'll only what? Bow down to me and basically ignore God. It's the same thing he did even with Jesus, isn't it? He says, "Bow down to me, and I'll give you the world." Jump off a temple, and 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 and, and the, the angels will guard you and protect your feet. That's a scripture, and 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 Israel will bow down to you. You won't have to go through the cross. Satan's whole desire is to pull us away from the fear of the Lord. And as a result, for us as believers, also to pull us away from the Word of God. I how many of you have uh, gone through uh, secular college? and uh, Well, high school as well too, especially. But, but more so for when I was growing up, it was more in, in, in college. It uh, was the idea of secular humanism. And we had one professor... In college, it was a Western Civilization class uh, and it was going to cover Christianity along with other religions. And he made it a point. He started off before the, on the first day as we're sitting there. And because it's a, a, a general ed class, we're sitting in one of those big auditoriums with the slanted seat and there's about 350 students in there. You know, and, you, you know, and, and he says, if you're a Christian, I'm warning you ahead of time, you know, this is the way I feel about Christianity. And he just tore it down. And he says, you, and if this is going to be a problem for you, he says, you might as well get up and walk out now. That's how he started the, 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 the class. And he got away with it. You know? Now, if he had started the class and said, I am a Christian and I'm going to present to you a sense of Christianity that will give you a, a, a clear picture of what Christ is and what it can do for you and how it can change your life, he wouldn't have been able to teach. So that's what I'm trying to say, is is that we can look through the world, we're looking through the window, we're looking through the slats of our window, so to speak, and we're looking at the world and we can see that the world has a sense of its kind of wisdom. And and today the the term is secular humanism. Man is the center of all things. That's the opposite of what Scripture and a man who fears God. God is the center of all things. His Word is our, 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 our guide. And as a result, there was a point where uh, after I had become a pastor, I, the high school that was my alma mater, I could not go on the campus as a pastor if a student had requested me. If maybe they were either uh, injured or they were in trouble. I could not go on campus as a pastor. They'd already gotten that strict. I could go on school as a referred fan to the family but I, I couldn't go on as a pastor. Somebody say, well, that's very subtle difference. No, it's not. What it's saying is we're, we're, we're not standing under anything that, that even thinks about the things of God. You were not allowed to carry, and a lot of the schools I do know still hold this policy, you're not allowed to carry your Bible. So there is a worldly way of looking at things. And that's what he's warning us about. It's, 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 it's the dominant way the world thinks. And when you think about it, as, as far as you know, Christianity goes, it may be a, a, a large group of people within the framework of the world following it, but the majority of the world, uh, three-quarters of the world, do not. And, and, and probably more than that. And they follow after the world's wisdom. The way they want to see God. The way they want to feel about God. And so they create a God that, that suits them. It's called paganism. So he's concerned as he's looking out his window of all these people that are coming by that, 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 that there's, there's the worldly wisdom out there that's there to, to entrap them. This is why he's concerned about, his, about what he's going to teach to his son. And that his son will understand this. And he says in verse 10, And behold, the woman meets him dressed as a prostitute. In other words, something sensuous, seductive. Okay, uh, Worldly wisdom is seductive. And uh, wily of heart. She is loud and wayward. Her, her feet do not stay at home. Uh, now in the street, now in the market. At every corner, she lies in wait. In other words, everywhere you go, you're going to see this prevailing worldliness as the dominant way of looking at things. She seizes him and kisses him. And with bold face, she says to him, and bold face means to, to stand out, and it's, it's, it's almost on the, the idea of coming right after it will be deception. What do we call it today? A bold face lie. To him, and, and, and she says, Hey, guess what I've done? I've, I've, I've offered my sacrifices today, and I've paid my vows. In other words, I've done my religious duty. I've done, I, I'm a good person. So now I've come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. Oh, she's just laying it on thick. I have spread my couch with coverings, colored linens from uh, Egyptian linen. By the way, even today, Egyptian linen is considered some of the best. You know, I, I find that interesting. You know, it just, it's, it's something that just prevails. It's something that just prevails. I have perfumed my, perfumed my bed with myrrh and aloes and cinnamon. Come, let us uh, take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. For my husband is not at home. She's up front. My husband's not at front home. He is gone on a long journey. So we'll be safe. We'll be uninterrupted. He took a bag of money with him. He won't be back for, uh, until the full moon. Uh, the the picture then is because of this seduction, verse 22, all at once he follows her. Maybe he follows her just out of curiosity of of just where where it is. He may not even be committed to, to, to resting in that wisdom. He's just curious. But he has, remember, he has no defense because he doesn't know the fear of the Lord. And so... It says that all at once he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter. It's a pretty graphic picture. In other words, he's he's pretty much had before he is. As soon as she's getting him interested enough to follow her and and not the, the idea of following after God, she's got it. Wisdom has got a hold. Worldly wisdom. Folly act. As an ox goes to the slaughter, or as a stag is caught fast till an arrow pierces its liver, or as a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know what it will cost—that it will cost him his life. What do we know about the the, the wide path? And that's what she's painting a picture of here. Very enticing wide path. It leads to destruction. And now, O oh sons, listen to me and be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stay into her paths. For many a victim has she laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng. How many you, the way, the path is wide, and many find it? Her house is the way to Sheol. Our house, the worldly wisdom folly is the, 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 the is the idea of folly meaning it's a foolish thing to seek after worldly wisdom is, is when you're having it from a biblical picture. And and, and it leads to hell. It leads to destruction. Going down to the chambers of death. What a graphic picture. Uh, read Dante's Inferno sometime. I don't agree with it as the idea of the picture of, of, of hell, but the idea was is that, you know, we don't, I, I don't think even Dante, in his best effort, gives us a full picture of the torment and, and, and separation from God that is in hell that we'll, we will be aware of. You know, we're going to see God face to face at judgment, and then we're going to be pulled away from him if we are not in his kingdom, if we're not in his family. And uh, I think that's going to be the worst part of, of hell, right there. So we know that she's got, you know, she calls, she's, and and she she does so loudly. Now let's look at at again and going to chapter nine, verse thirteen, just to to tie this part together. The woman folly is loud, she is seductive, and knows nothing. When it says she knows nothing, it doesn't mean she's not worldly wise. It means she knows nothing of the fear of the Lord. There's no fear of the Lord in the idea of worldly wisdom and its desire to seduce us. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat in the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by who are going straight on their way. Calling to those who are passing by, who are going straight on their way, meaning that they may the idea of straight on the way is the idea of headed towards the temple, possibly. Some have interpreted that. They're headed towards the synagogue. They're headed towards the temple. They're headed to church. They're headed towards that picture in their mind. And whoever is simple, let him turn in here. Simple means that has not acquired the knowledge yet. Whoever is simple, turn in here. In other words, yeah, don't don't, don't go over there. Just turn in here. Take the detour right here. Again, Pilgrim's Progress really gets into that at times, what those detours offer. And and so, you know, come this way. It's faster, it's easier, and you'll achieve your dreams uh, quicker and, and greater. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, Stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Stolen water is basically the idea of forbidden delights. Things that we're told we shouldn't do are so special and so sweet. And and it's bread eaten in secret. In other words, done in the dark is the implication here. And you go into the New Testament when it talks about sin and darkness you know, paralleled there. So, Things done in the dark, the sweet bread uh, that is 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 eaten in secret, stolen water uh, is is better. Stolen fruits are, are you know the idea is, is it's special. You know, and uh, and he it says he does not know that the dead are there. He's looking at other people, and when he looks at him. They look what? Alive, but they've already bought her game. And so technically they're what? They're dead. That her guests are in the depths of Sheol. And I put it in parentheses already. And was it? They've, 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 they've pronounced their judgments, they've, they've, they've made their choice. Come on in and look at this. And, but she presents it as something alive. And, and desirable, and 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 special. It's, it's as if it was stolen. It's so special and so good. It's act like stolen water, something that 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 you shouldn't have, but you've got it anyway, and it's yours to drink now. The wisdom of God is the opposite. The way of wisdom versus. The way of, 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 of uh, folly. The blessings of wisdom starts in chapter 8. And notice here, we also see that wisdom calls. Just as the worldly wisdom calls for you, so does God's wisdom. How does God's wisdom start to call us? Give some ideas of the way God's wisdom calls us. Well, one of them is He calls us through the obvious picture of nature itself. Paul spends time in Romans talking about if you're looking at nature, you're looking at God, the things that God has created, and they're so amazing that it should direct you up. And he says, but you've chosen worldly wisdom and instead you've decided to worship what has been created rather than the Creator. You see, we see this picture all the way through here. And so, as we look at this, we have this this picture of, of, of wisdom is calling out to us as well. The Scriptures... Are the wisdom of God. They call out to us. The first time I read the, the the Bible with the intent to try to understand, and it wasn't this. It wasn't up to this point. I had looked at it as as just myth, brought together like stuff about Davy Crockett. You know, Davy Crockett did what? He killed the bear when he was only three. Okay, and I don't know whether the bear was only three or Davy Crockett was only three, but you know. The idea is, is that he you know all the things that stem up I looked at it like that legendary stuff, some basic truth, yes, Jesus was a live person he got he was rebel, uh, a, a rebellious teacher you know fit perfect for the sixties and seventies for me and and you know that i whole idea so I, I thought yeah there was a there was a real jesus, no he wasn't God you know and and so uh, I didn't look but then one particular day, God opens my eyes through a person's testimony. And I thought, okay, my, my, my challenge from this man was to read the Gospel of John with the understanding that John believed what he was writing. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tear it apart and approach this guy again if I ever see him. And, and I read it through, and so I sat in my spray booth sitting in a rocking chair that I was supposed to be working on and, and in my shop, and I read the Gospel of John. I said, wow, he really is intense when you look at it that way. So I read Luke, Mark, and Matthew backwards. Like I do everything. And for the first time, I saw a glimmer of light. Because for the first time, I received the idea that these guys believed it. I'll approach it from that standpoint. And from that point on, it was a study. I didn't become a Christian for another year and a half. But all that time, I was looking, studying, trying to tear it apart. And the more I tried to tear it apart, the deeper I got in it, the more it came together. Until one day, 6.30 in the morning on August 15th, 1976, I said, Lord... You must be real. If you're real, I need to to know you. And I'm a different person than I was the day before that. So I want to say that we look to nature for God's wisdom, but His Word is His revealed wisdom about who He is. And we can look to nature and get an idea of how awesome He must be because of what He's created and the more we look at creation today compared to what was like when Paul wrote, think about when Paul wrote, they weren't using microscopes or telescopes and all the kinds of things we we're looking at today. And they didn't understand the idea of atoms and molecular structure and all that kind of stuff. And, and and Paul says it's an amazing thing that reveals God. The deeper we go, the more God must be there. Because there's no way for it to come together by itself. And so, this this picture of, of looking, seeking for wisdom, we're out there looking. So wisdom is calling, and folly is calling. And and there, the, we, the the question is who we're going to listen to. And and that's really what it boils down to: who are you going to listen to? Um, the blessings of wisdom. She, wisdom calls. Uh, And and to us, Uh, she is also around in the town, Uh, and she says, uh, "Verse four: To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, bear prudence; O fools, learn sense. Hear, for I speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. In other words, I I can't speak a lie." Can God lie to us? No, because that's sin. You know Nothing of that comes from God. And so this wisdom is a reflection of God's wisdom uh, and a picture of God's wisdom. will not lie. It will only tell you the truth. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There's nothing twisted or crooked in them. They, all straight, uh, they are all straight to Him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. To my instruction instead of silver, take my instruction. This is, I I think is powerful, two verses here. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. What does worldly picture tell you? What does folly, world wisdom tell you? To acquire as much as you can because you're going to need as much as you can. And that's how you're going to enjoy life most. Wisdom says, the way of of wisdom, the way of knowing God, the fear of God. Anytime it says wisdom, it means the fear of God is tied to it. Every time you see that word in here. okay, Uh, The fear of God is more valuable than gold, than silver, than fine jewels. Uh, Nothing, nothing compares. The fear of the Lord, verse 13, I love this picture because this is a definition, one of the definitions for the fear of the Lord, is a hatred of evil. Pride, and now evil is going to be given a picture here. Pride, arrogance, and the way of evil, and perverted speech, I hate. Now, she is uh, folly over here. Worldly wisdom had just said, Oh, I've been to the temple. I've paid my dues. I've done all the things I'm supposed to do. I'm a righteous person. I'm a good person. You know, that's, that's the idea of perverted speech. I have, count, I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. I'm not going to go through all of it, but, but verse 22, it says, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of His work. The first of his acts of old, which means his wisdom was in the presence at the point of what? Creation. Why? Because it's God's wisdom we're talking about. Verse thirty two. And now, O sons again Dad speaking to his sons, Now sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instructions and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors, for whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. It's the opposite of what we read about folly. Folly leads to death. Wisdom leads to life. Uh, He who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. They may not even know they love death, but... That's what they've chosen. So, as we look at the way of wisdom in chapter 9, it says, Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. This idea of seven pillars is is, uh, an awkward statement. It doesn't have uh, a clear definition. Uh, And so, somebody's saying, what does it mean? Well, the the number seven is is a scriptural number having the ideal of full and complete. You know, so it's, it's the house is everything it needs to be in order to meet the needs of, 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 the, of the, the, the person that has it. Uh, it also implies a large house. Uh, John Wesley says that he, because the number seven is also a reference to the idea of several or many. In other words, you know, how many is two? It's a couple. How many three? It's a few. Uh, you know, that, that type of thing. Seven is many. Okay, and as a result, he says he thinks it's it's the prophets and the apostles whose teaching hold up the church. I think that's a, a, a an accurate picture. It's a good picture of the idea. of It holds up the church, but the idea is it's a it's a full house. It's a complete house. It's the teachings of God that are revealed in the scriptures. This is what she has built. Some see this house even as the type of the spiritual house that Peter refers to in chapter 2 of 1 Peter. Built stone on stone, and it's a spiritual house of of all the believers, or the stones we're built together as the house. It says in verse 2 that uh, here, it says, She has slaughtered her beast, she has mixed her wine, and she has also set her table. Which means that she's prepared a banquet. And I find it interesting, and I'm cautious with this, uh, it says she's mixed her wine. And I'm thinking, the other one doesn't offer mixed wine. They just, In other places, we'll see folly if you read through it, offer just wine. She offers mixed wine. Why the difference? Mixed wine is mixed with water and, 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 and uh, uh, spices, and it's less likely to intoxicate doesn't mean it doesn't have alcohol in it. Don't misunderstand that scripture. You can't use that and say it was non-alcoholic because that's not what it says. Okay, But what it does say is it's watered down. The, the, the common way to water wine, water wine down was eight parts water to one part wine plus the spices. And the idea was just that she's not trying to get you drunk. She's not trying to get you intoxicated. She just wants you to come and have a wonderful evening. You know, at the banquet. Okay, and so to the banquet. Uh, and she doesn't want you to lose your senses. Isn't that interesting? The way of the world wants you to get lost in in, in that. She's wanting you to be alert and full and, 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 well, there. It's just it's all implied in that idea mixture of wine. I thought that was interesting. She has also set the table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. So she sent out those who were calling. Who are the people that that were sent out to call? The prophets and the apostles. And that comes back to Wesley's picture of tying it to the pillars too. So, whoever is simple, let him turn in here, uh, is what the, the, wis- way, the wisdom says. So now, you know, she, uh, er, er, She is is saying the same thing. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, uh, she says, come and eat of my bread, drink of the wine. But you notice nothing is stolen. And again, it's the wine what? I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and, and life and walk in the way of insight. If you want to know the real way of insight, this is what wisdom is telling you, to come this way. How is it? It's in the fear of the Lord. That's why it starts. Chapter one starts with that. Come and, and look into the fear of the Lord, and come this way for insight as to how to look at the life and to look at the world. Uh, verse ten, she sa- It says again very clearly: the, ver- the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. You want true wisdom? You want true insight? You want things that will actually direct your life to life? Then seek wisdom from God. Start with the fear of the Lord. The, uh, the last two verses, it says uh, in verse 11 and 12, For by me your days will be multiplied and your years will be added to your life. And someone will say, does that mean everybody gets a long life if they do this? What it means is that... that the idea of of life and its bounty and its abundance will be multiplied and and added to your life. Who who says that as, as well about abundant life? Jesus. Abundant life isn't necessarily a lengthy life many years. An Abundant life is one who is at peace with God because what? We fear the Lord. We fear Him because we are in awe of who He is and what He has done. And what he has yet to do, what he's promised that he will do. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself, and if you scoff, you alone will bear it. What it means is this is up to you, folks. This is, it's not a collective call. It's each one of you are responsible before the throne of God as to what call you make and how you go. And I, I think of, 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 the picture that that Paul creates in in Colossians chapter three, uh, and so it's just one of the places he does this uh, chapter three, the first seventeen verses uh, where Paul talks about put off and put on and as a summary to this that 's your homework assignment. read Colossians chapter three verses one through seventeen and it just talks about what we put off and what we put put on, and in order to to establish your understanding of that, you establish first that you are seeking the wisdom of God and you believe that it starts with the fear of the Lord. And as I come into that understanding, what would God have me put off and what would He have me put on to be walking in His wisdom? Well, Paul tells us in Colossians one seventeen some of it. And, and so I just want to encourage you to to look at that. Uh, Again, I want to drop back to Proverbs 8.13. It says, The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. I am as guilty as anyone else in the amount of ungodly stuff I tolerate in my life. I do know that it's less now than it was before, but it's, it's a process. God is cleaning me. I know I've used this picture before, but I look at it. You know me. I need simple vision pictures. An artichoke. You cook an artichoke, and the outer leaves come off kind of tough and stringy. You pull off the leaf, and it goes down the stalk a little bit. You're looking at it. I don't think I want to eat that one. It's kind of tough, whatever. And you get through it, and then and after a while, you're getting through it. This is God cleaning me. What's the goal of, of the artichoke? Of eating the artichoke? It's to get to the heart. Okay. And so you, you're peeling off the leaves. And all of a sudden, some of them just come out easy. You, and I see that as a season in my life where we're walking with Christ seemed to just fall into place. And there's seasons in my life where that has happened. And then all of a sudden, we hit another tough spot. But the bottom line is, is that all of a sudden, we get down to the heart is almost there. It's almost ready. And, and, and I look at this as, as a Christian in, in, in age at this point. I've been a Christian a long, a long period of time. My, those leaves have been coming. God's been cleaning my heart. And by the way only person can do it is God through his Holy Spirit. It's not something we do. And and so it, it, it gets done and finally we get down to the heart and there's all this fine thistle. And it all has to go before you get to the heart. And unlike those leaves even the toughest one that came out, getting the thistle ain't easy. If the artichoke heart had feeling, it would be the most painful part of the experience. Because God, and I look at it in my parallel, is finally getting to the root, the very heart of sin in my life. And what he's cleaning now is, you know, some stuff that went easy down here. You turn around and you say, Gosh, that still kind of plagues me in a way. I didn't even realize it. And it's because we're getting down to the, the painful part of, of following after the Lord. I'm going to suggest, again, that's why the the pathway is narrow. A lot of people don't want to go through that. It is hard. There are times following the Lord is a hard thing to do. Sometimes it means standing apart from the rest of the people. Looking at the world completely different than the group that you're around. Sitting in a class at college and being maybe the only Christian that's willing to testify to your faith and having the opportunity to do so and choosing to. And being the ridicule and the bunt the blunt of jokes for a number of other people possibly. Being the only person at work who has moral values. I don't know how many people while I was in Bible college at the company that I worked for, one person after another you know, trying to to, to set me up one way or another. To see if they could get me to slide one way or another. Sometimes I didn't make it through that, but the bulk of the time, I did. And what was neat was my gift from that company was a gold watch, the pulpit commentary, you know, as a, a, a gift. They weren't even, they weren't Christians. They weren't any believers there. But the joke was still there. I could still see it because they also gave me a quart of lacquer thinner. And they said, "Oh, open it up." under your desk so you'll feel at home. Because that was my thing. I'm a spray booth person. I spray and finish furniture. And lacquer is a thing, and lacquer is an intoxicant, and it kind of blurs the mind. So they still had that that idea of joke in there. They couldn't leave it alone with just the two really special gifts. But I didn't take offense at that, because I realized I've made some kind of impact. And the biggest impact for me that I had made there was the reality that in jest, they put a cross on my spray booth. And it took them some time because they actually made a wooden cross and mounted it on the top of the spray booth. And they were hoping that would be offensive to me. And that's when I started lacquering all my scripture to the wall as I had, that I had to do for memory work while I was in school and Bible college. So what I'm trying to say is, is that making a difference, being the person that God wants us to be, seeking after his wisdom, believing that his word is the source of wisdom, isn't always easy. I want to encourage you, though. It is a blessing. It always has a blessing tied to it. And God will let you see it. And you will know that you have actually been successful in at least a little way at being not only at peace with God, but maybe blessing the Lord, O oh my soul, with all that is in me. Ask that we get ready for communion, uh, and ask the ushers to come and pass the communion out. Hold it until we've all been served, and we will share it together.